Hey, David, guess what we are talking about on the podcast today? Podcasting? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes. Yes, you actually got it right this week that I'm very proud of you. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it. Do you know how long I've been trying? (laughs) (laughs) I'm amazed. We have a special guest this week, Kayla Lippman, and she is going to talk about a topic that is really fascinating. She's going to talk about how podcasts are actually lifestyle brands. Well, I think the topic is fascinating because Kayla is fascinating. Mm. It was such a great interview. I would agree. Let's get it started. I agree with you. (laughs) Let's get it started. Welcome to Mastering the Podcaster Mindset. I'm Tiffany Kane, podcast coach and professional development expert. And I am David Seiss, professional dialogue and voiceover editor. Together, we will go on a journey with you to truly master the podcasting mindset. Let's break past mindset beliefs that often create barriers to success. You will learn techniques and insider secrets to raise the power of your content and the quality of your sound. We believe your voice is powerful. Your story needs to be told and there is someone out there who will be inspired because you have the courage to share your insights through your podcast. Now, here's today's episode. Hello, everyone. Today, we are speaking with a really fascinating person who has such a wealth of information. Our guest is Kayla Littman. She is a journalist, a producer, a marketing and brand development expert. She really champions audio and has been on the forefront of building audio brands for huge companies. She's worked for Vox. She's worked for just all kinds of huge companies and been revolutionary in getting um, the, like the big business podcasting going. And so to have her on helping the indie podcaster today is really fascinating because she comes with a little bit of a different perspective. This conversation was so good, we ended up having to break it into two parts. So this is part one of a two-part series with the lovely Miss Kayla Littman. Hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this really exciting episode of Mastering the Podcaster Mindset. As we said in the introduction, we have a really special guest today. Kayla Littman has been in the podcasting industry for a very long time and some very special niches of the industry. And we are excited to talk to Kayla today about an article that she wrote that has a very fascinating concept about podcasting. So Kayla, welcome today. We are excited to jump in with you with both feet and learn more about your background and jump into this. So Kayla, welcome and tell us a little bit about you. Hi, Tiffany. Hi, David. Thank you so much um, for having me on today. I'm really excited to chat a little bit more about the podcast space. Clearly, I'm passionate about it, as are you. Um, Mm -hmm. So again, 
Kayla Lipman. I, uh, I've been working in podcasting probably since 2016, 2017. So wow. in some senses, not that long, but in other senses, an eternity, because this <laughs> has really gone from a cottage industry to something that a lot of money and a lot of professionals are beginning to ramp up and pour time and energy in. It's a real IP pipeline for big publishers, for movie studios, and also for me, um, I I really got my start working on a narrative show about my family. Um, so that was oh, wow. sort of my first <sighs> foray into audio. I'd always been, you know, longtime listener, first time caller type. So um, <laughs> I grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area with KQED. And so listened a lot there and, you know, loved Snap Judgment, loved This American Life and fell in love with narrative storytelling and really the power of being consumed and immersed by stories and how mm -hmm. you're able to, in your brain, sort of come up with the imagery that goes along with everything that you're hearing in your ears. So I found that to be particularly powerful from a young age. And, you know, I got this really cool opportunity with Panoply to work on a show back in 2017, traveled around the country, interviewed like estranged family members. And then I translated that I had a day job of digital marketing, um, working for Mental Floss in the week, um, which were smaller publishers compared to the publishers I would later go on to work for. But the beauty of when you work for a smaller publisher, and I think a lot of indies can appreciate this, is you get to wear, quote, a lot of hats. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and That's for sure. Yeah, I was always the person on board who was like, oh, you know, like a newsletter sponsorship is cool, but why don't we do a podcast? And everyone's like, oh, Kayla and her podcast, always wanting to do a branded podcast. Um, so really, uh, in a digital market marketing capacity as a marketing manager, I was trying to champion audio at the time in 2016, mm -hmm. 2017, translated that into a, a role at Vox as they were really starting their podcast mm -hmm. network. Um, did that for a few years, really came up with the operational bones of what it would look like for them to monetize their shows with advertisers at scale. Um, and that was a lot mm -hmm. of education. It was a lot of talking to people who had sold advertising for years and years and years and were very effective of uh, what they did as sales executives, but didn't know how to sell audio, didn't know mm -hmm. what mm -hmm. the appeal of podcasting was, how it fit into their, quote, media mix when they were talking to anyone from a MeUndies or a HelloFresh to, you know, a MasterCard, Amex or Delta, who was trying to do a whole 360 type of podcast campaign. So I really loved that experience of teaching and really enablement, they mm. call it in these corporate media settings. So it's like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to help you, you know, go pitch what audio is, what the value of audio is. And there was a real learning curve. So you could talk to, again, the most brilliant CMOs um, working at big companies, you know, from Procter & Gamble to... Uh, you know, Diageo, which is all like the alcohol brands. And they really mm -hmm. wanted to know, they were like, what is the appeal? What should we be playing in the space? Like, what is this? Like there was a real sort of Rosetta Stone that needed to happen um, mm -hmm. in terms of translating the value of audio. And so I always like to approach people who um, 
don't know about the space with compassion, if you will, because I think there's also this feeling of like, why don't you know this already? Gosh, we've been doing audio for mm-hmm. decades. And <laughs> I think that doesn't get anybody anywhere because it's exciting yeah. when somebody's like, oh, I want to know more about this. And then you have to be like, okay, so how can I explain this in ways that you can understand? And in my most recent piece uh, for Sounds Profitable, where I have a monthly column called Good Data, I try to look at a lot of the studies that are coming out. And everyone and their mom is doing a podcast study if they're playing in audio. We have the platforms like the Spotify's of the world, the Tritons, the Stitchers, the iHearts. They're, they're all doing their own studies or working with partners to do studies to understand the efficacy of audio. And usually like at the stage this business is at, that's happening because there's some sort of advertiser interest. So that's Mm -hmm. how I've really been Mm -hmm. exposed to a lot of these studies, especially in that sort of linchpin role within Vox and then later Condé Nast of explaining audio to all these other brand marketers, all these other product experts, but coming to it from a, an audio expertise or subject area expertise, um, So yeah, I get really excited when I see something that really makes sense and then can also metaphorically be explained to somebody like my sister, who I reference a lot in this recent article, (laughs) um, who works in tech and is, you know, very bright and doesn't really watch TV, though. She's the type of person who reads like 20 books a month. And no, yeah, David knows. Like, so (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it's just it's not her brand of media. Again, I don't know how we're raised by the same people in the same house, but we just (laughs) turned out in these very different ways. Um, And so she's a great person to talk to because she'll ask me questions that are just like, oh my God, how do you not know this? <laughs> but it makes me have to, again, explain it in terms that she can understand. And if I can get her to understand it, then I can probably, or hopefully, fingers crossed, get anyone to understand it. And hopefully the media professionals who need to comprehend it most to be um, as cutting edge in their jobs. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll leave it there. <laughs> well, wow. thank you. That's a lot. And I, I feel like um, we want to have you on another time to dig into that whole, uh, you know, big podcast world, you know, the corporate podcast world. There's so much unknown there to the indie podcaster, and it's so fascinating. Today, we want to focus on the indie podcaster, and we want to focus on this concept that you came up with in your um, article that just fascinated me. And it is this concept of podcasts as a lifestyle brand. You mentioned in your article, lifestyle brands may be something like Lululemon or carrying a Birkin bag or McDonald's or Crocs, you know, like there's lifestyle brands that kind of talk about who you are and help you to fit in. Will you tell us a little bit about this concept of how is a podcast like a lifestyle brand? Or how is it a lifestyle brand? Absolutely. So thank you again for, I'm glad that resonated with you. Uh, So much resonated. (laughs) So much resonated. (laughs) Well, again, it's like the concept of a lifestyle brand is very much the byproduct of millennial culture. It's very much the byproduct of growing up in an ecosystem that's dominated by social media and Mm -hmm. people who are signaling what they value. So 
A lot of that is if you look at somebody like Taylor Lorenz, who I love her writing, she writes a lot about the way we think about tech and platforms and sort of their cultural value. Um, I believe she's at the Washington Post now, but she did this really interesting story a few years back at The Atlantic about how we, we've changed the way that we use Instagram. We used to use Instagram to be mm-hmm. like, look at this beautiful sunset, look at my picturesque macchiato or cappuccino <laughs> art. Um, and it's slowly devolved, um, probably pre-pandemic, thank goodness, um, to being like this messy place where, look, I don't have my mm-hmm. life together. Look, I, I'm trying my best. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I think when we think about our ourselves through the lens of these platforms that we use a lot to talk about our lives, we start to see that people signal what they care about by the products that they use. So, Mm -hmm. you know, there, and that there's a million, there's a million examples of this on YouTube, on TikTok, on Twitch, like the way that you spend your time and what you consume Um, Or even, you know, in the 90s and aughts when people would wear, they were obsessed with like their rhinestone BB shirts or or their Mm -hmm. limited two shirts when I was a kid. And it was something that said, look, I am cool enough to shop here. This says something about what I value. And then the edgy kids, like the ones who were more into Kurt Cobain and like the grunge scene, they were like, I will be wearing flannel. You cannot convince me of this (laughs) otherwise. And I think we've moved away as a culture from thinking like, oh, there has to be this mainstream conception of what you value based mm-hmm. on the brands that you like. And we've really moved into this golden age of identity politics in the best possible way. So the your what you what you consume and what you like is a big piece of your identity and there's no right or wrong mm-hmm. in some senses. It's just what you like and where you like to spend your time on the internet or with your money. And that's okay. And I think that's a really good thing for podcasters, especially people who think like, oh, no one's ever going to listen to my my bird watching show. Who cares about this, even though I am really passionate about this. And the reality is, is there's going to be at least one person or probably hundreds mm-hmm. of people who are like, wow, this really resonates with me. And so if you start thinking about how you want to reach your audience in a, in the same way as like a Lululemon did when they were getting off the ground, and they're a great example of an early lifestyle brand. I almost worked there actually at like 18 oh, wow. or 19. <laughs> but again, I'm more of the McDonald's um, lifestyle brand person. <laughs> I, um, I'm very much one of those people that I like a good fitness class, don't get me wrong, but if I had to take a picture of myself and post it on Instagram, it probably wouldn't be of me doing Pilates on Saturday and like struggling. It would be of me sinking my teeth into a Big Mac. Um, (laughs) And it's all about what we present again. So think of that through the lens of what you want to present to the world and what you care about. Like just because I care about exercise doesn't mean it's part of my my brand. Um, Mm-hmm. So my girlfriends and I talk about this a lot. We're like, what's your personal brand? Um, and it also helps when you're birthday birthday shopping for people. So let's say you have someone's anniversary coming up or they're celebrating something. If you have a sense of what kind of podcast they listen to, that can give you really great inspiration about what to get yeah. them or what they care about. Because yes. they're spending a lot of time with these shows, like 45 minutes. Yes. That's 
Something, the engagement, again, um, you can't say enough positive things about the types of engagement that podcasts get. And that's true across the board from indies Mm -hmm. to your largest shows. And so, again, that is signaling to people that this is a big part of how I see myself in the world and what I care about. And that has nothing to do necessarily with how the world needs to know I'm moving through the world. Like the whole idea of fitting in, I think, isn't necessarily isn't as valuable to a younger generation maybe as it was to me when I was a teenager or to an older generation. Um, And I think that's Mm -hmm. important to think about, like, what do people really care about? Where have our values as a society shifted? And that's how podcasting fits into the equation too, because you, again, really understand where people ideologically, emotionally, socially, all of these things that are really on that spectrum of pathos um, where where they're situating themselves in the conversation. I'll I'll stop my mm. monologue just for a second. I promise. <laughs> we, we just we want to listen give you to you forever. Yeah. <laughs> Go for it. We could listen to you forever. It's so great. You know, what's interesting is it resonated with me when you wrote about how the younger generation, you know, the teenagers now they don't really need to fit in. They don't feel called to fit in. They just need to find where they fit. Which when I read that, I was like, oh my God, I wish life was like that. When I grew up, I'm 48 years old. I'm Gen Xer, right? And I feel like I'm finally coming to that place where it's like, I don't need to do all the shoulds. I don't need to live the way everybody else says I should live. I get to find my own path. And so I think my generation is coming to that realization now, whereas the younger generation is like, yeah, we kind of know that. And that's exciting. Um, You're it, part of the forgotten generation. It is. Gen X. <laughs> we are. Uh, Gen we're X. Sort of, we're like, whatever. Exactly as you said, forgotten. <laughs> David and I were talking yeah. about that the other day. And it's funny, too. I was talking, one of my best friends in the industry is Gen X, and she was. we were talking about maternity leave. And I was like, the maternity mm. leave horror story is from Gen X blow my mind because it's also at the intersection of women can have it all and do everything, mm-hmm. but yet we'll yes. not get a legitimate maternity leave. Um, And I think that part of what is moving us away from this culture of always hustling, always grinding, overworking ourselves, striving for these big ambitious titles, if you will, like um, signaling our success, all of that type of culture. If you listen to Brene Brown, if you listen to Jay Shetty, if you listen to any one of the TED Talks that have come out about the way that we are shaping our lives, so much of the changing paradigm shift that's happening in our society, you can direct back to podcasts and people that are obsessed with certain podcasts. Mm -hmm. And those have started to mold their worldviews and ultimately improve their lives. And one of the statistics from the article was, I I listen to podcasts because they motivate and inspire me. An overwhelming mm-hmm. number of people, yeah. especially a number of people who were uh what it, what is the word for it? Uh I think it's the name in the study was like power podcast consumers, like the top 25% of podcast consumers. 79% of them turn to podcasts because they motivate and inspire them. And so what motivates mm-hmm. and inspire you varies. It's an, a spectrum. And so I think, again, if you think about your show as a lifestyle brand where you're trying to tap into the emotions of your audience, think about, okay, what do they care Mm -hmm. about? Why are they coming to me and listening to me? 
and then really lean into that and deliver that hit that on the nose every time like what is the why for why they're there why they're spending 45 minutes with you um mm-hmm. I talked to somebody recently, um, she does some data analysis on international shows, and she was telling me that the most popular show that she's been studying is like a five-hour anime show um, out of Asia. (laughs) And I was like, what? And she's like, yes, people spend five hours once a week on the show. And then I thought about it, and I'm like... Everyone I know who loves anime loves anime. Wholeheartedly, for sure. Yes, and good for them that they found five hours that they want to spend just obsessing over this thing that they love. Um, But again, it blew my mind that a five-hour show was the one with the most amount of engagement. And again, I wouldn't listen to a five-hour anime show, but that's okay because there's hundreds of thousands of people Mm -hmm. who will. Mm -hmm. Oh, goodness. Something to think about. Definitely yeah. something to think about. David, I'm going to let you. I've been doing a lot of talking. I, I talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and I can see. I can see his wheels My, turning. You have something to say on that well, one. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm still, um, like, you've given us so much really quality information. I'm still um, back on what you were talking about at the start of our show. <laughs> I, I love your uh, your idea, though, the concept of discovering your personal brand. Uh, because I think so many of our students, listeners, beginning podcasters have a really hard time like just realizing where they're going to get their audience from, you know, whom who's going to want to listen to me. And I think if you can figure out, I almost feel like we need to make a little cheat sheet for people on discovering your personal brand that would allow people mm-hmm. to figure out who they are and really identify who their audience is. And I love that concept. I'm going to agree with David that I think one of the most powerful things we can do as podcasters is discover our personal brand because that helps us niche down and find our people. And that's what's really important is finding our people. Like we all have our people. It's inspiring to see what the younger generation sees. For sure. You took the words out of my mouth, Tiffany. Yeah, I think there's a level of inspiration that I'm draw. I draw from like the Gen Z generation, the ability to... Mm-hmm. Just put yourself out there and also kind of have seen a lot of doom and gloom in your short life when you're, I think of Mm -hmm. Gen Z again as anyone born between like 2000 and 1993, 1994. Um, And these are folks Mm -hmm. who I'm working with a lot in different professional capacities. Like all the media planners Mm -hmm. that I worked with at Condé Nast, they were typically Gen Z and I think there's a worldview that I I envy too of not fitting in again like you were saying earlier Tiffany but finding finding something that fits you. Um mm-hmm. and I I think growing up my parents were always like you have to be a doctor. <laughs> That's the only mm-hmm. option. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like mm, I wouldn't want me as a doctor with uh <laughs> So uh, thank you for your, uh, you know, your very Jewish parents worldview, but none of my siblings, we wanted to, none of us wanted to do that. But that for my family was like, that's what you should do. Um, And I think we're in this sort of renaissance of whatever, do what you love, do what inspires you, what energizes you, what you like when you wake up in the morning and you really You're like, oh, that lights something or ignites something in me. And there's a market for all of that. 
Oh my goodness, David. I think we could have talked to Kayla for three hours and had still hours of conversation to have with her. Absolutely. Oh, Couldn't agree more. I'm hoping we get her on again. I'm really I'm hoping. hoping we get her on again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm interested to hear what one of your takeaways is from this episode. Uh, I thought it was interesting how she mentioned, um, I mean, granted the, the lifestyle brand, that whole topic we could talk about for hours. Uh, but one thing that kind of stuck out when we were discussing the lifestyle brand was when she mentioned about how the whole idea of fitting in isn't really um, as valuable to the new generation as it was to our generation. And that's something that I hadn't ever really considered as far as the differences between generations, as far as what they view as valuable. And so hearing that kind of helped to make me realize what the power of podcasting really brings, even to younger generations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how our generation is finally learning that lesson. <laughs> mm -hmm. I feel like where the younger generation is now with, the, I don't necessarily need to fit in. I just need to find where I fit. Right. Um, we are finally learning that lesson. I feel like as a 48-year-old woman, I'm finally coming into <laughs> it's that. It's finally as, coming into that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a second. I don't need to fit into what society expects of me. Right. So I really appreciated that. The part I loved that she talked about was that survey, those survey results, mm -hmm. where the the people that are in our audience, so our audience tends to be the 35 and above how the 35 and above audience really wants to be motivated, inspired, and educated. And yeah. that's what they listen to podcasts for. And that we really need to tap into those emotions to get that inspiration piece in and that motivation piece as we are educating. I thought yeah. that was a, a really um, a nice shift in looking at what we're doing as podcasting and how that then brings it into becoming a lifestyle brand because now right. people are emotionally invested in our podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I think it gives you a little clarity on where you need to be taking people with your podcast. If, if you're trying to appeal to a certain generation, you know what they're looking for. You know where their time is going to be spent. If they're listening to a podcast on their ride home on their ride home and they're 20 something, they're going to be looking for entertainment. If you, they're in their 35 plus market, most likely it's going to be some type of educational thing. And I think that kind of really helps to get you more focused on what it is you need to be providing for your audience, because you have a pretty good idea of the age group that your audience is in. And I mean, granted, there's ways of giving education where it's still entertaining, but the meat of the content really needs to be focused on your target age group. And so there were so many things that she talked about as far as that goes that really kind of helped to give clarity on how how we need to really look at our podcast uh, our, ourselves as a brand and, and where we need to be taking our audience. Yeah. I also liked her clarification of what a lifestyle brand is. Because mm -hmm. I, I felt like I needed a little bit of clarification on oh, that. Me like, too. what is a lifestyle brand? And how she talked about um, we signal what we value by what we spend our money on. Right. And that I got. I totally understand. There are things that I will not spend my money on, no matter how appealing they are, because I do not want to support that cause. I don't want my money to be attached to that. Uh, mm -hmm. And on the same token, if there's something I feel very passionately about, there's somebody I'm very invested in, yeah, I'm going to spend my money on that, even if they are maybe a little bit more pricey 
Um, maybe it's a little bit of outside the norm. I'm happy to spend my money there and be associated with that because it shows my values. And so that clarification of what a lifestyle brand is was really interesting to me how you can be maybe a Lululemon person or mm-hmm. a McDonald's <laughs> person, right? right. Like, what are you posting on social media? What is it that you value? I loved how she said, I might wear Lululemons to work out, but that's not like what I'm posting on social media. I'm, po- <laughs> I'm posting myself with a big, giant, juicy burger in my hand. Yeah. You know, and that just kind of, I, I really liked that explanation. Plus, yeah. I just love her sense of humor. Right. I liked, I liked how she mentioned also about the, um, about how you can really tell what somebody likes by the podcast that they listen to. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can almost buy gifts just knowing what type of podcast that your friend is listening to, because you can really tell what their likes are, what their dislikes are, what they're really interested in. Because if you're going to sit and invest 30 minutes, an hour, three hours for some podcasts of your time, it's, it's something that you're seriously like you enjoy it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a great way to, to get to know people just by asking, Hey, what kind of podcast do you like listening to? <laughs> that is true. I'm really excited for part two that's coming out in just a couple of days because she continues this conversation in such a powerful way. Yeah. So wonderful listeners, make sure you check back in for part two of this interview. Have fun recording. Have fun recording. Thanks for hanging out with us today. As a special thank you, we invite you to download the free guide in the show notes called The Biggest Mistake Podcasters Make and How to Avoid It. Please take a moment to leave us a review. Well, only if you really like the show. (laughs) (laughs) And come on over and join our free Facebook community. We'd love to have you there. We believe your story is powerful and needs to be heard, and we would love to help you tell it. I like how the pink in my hat matches the pink on my headphones. I am feeling extra. I just need a little, like, glitter bling. I'm thinking of bedazzling my headphones for 100th episode. That would be pretty cool. Maybe we should get some of those stick-on rhinestones. Mm. And we could do the, like the, the these parts, and that way when you move around, it's like all blingy. I'm gonna bedazzle your headphones. That'll be fun. We're gonna bling them out. It's my bling.